Hi, my name is Diewald Kirsten and I'm a photographer based in South Africa. I've always had a huge passion to connect with people from all walks of life. And the national lockdown has forced me to do that. I've had to come up with new and interesting ways of connecting with friends and connections and people that I've always wanted to connect to. Hence, this podcast. I'm doing daily live shows on my Facebook page where I talk to new and interesting people. And these I will be converting to podcasts that you can listen to on your own time. So please stick around and uh, love to hear your feedback. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to another show. And uh, yeah, I've got a, an old new mic that I finally figured out how to use this. So if you've got any problems with the audio, please let me know. Then I can see if I can fix it. All right. Today, I'm going to chat to a cool guy called Conrad Hicks, who's a metal artist, blacksmith, toolmaker, and found him by Instagram. Really cool guy. Let's see where this goes. All right. Here we go. There we go. Okay. Can you? Yeah. Hey, how are you, Conrad? Oh, sorry, I've never, I've never, uh, I've never done this swim thing. That's fine. That's fine. We 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 all learned by swimming in the deep end. Cool. Yeah. How are um, you? Uh, no, no, I'm fine. I've, I've just been uh, quite busy today, actually. Compared to the last couple of weeks, that's good. That's good. Um, have, have you got any any commission stuff that you're working for clients, or just stuff that you've been doing for yourself? Um, yeah, I've got lots of lots of quite a lot of work. Um, it's um, but I also do you know a lot of my own work, uh, and um, um, but at the moment I'm doing a quite a big commission for um, a piece in um, in the States that I'm trying to finish. Okay. Um, yeah, like I, to everybody when I when I came on is that um, I found you via Instagram and I just I found your stuff fascinating. So I went to look on your website and stalked your Instagram and then also one or two things on YouTube and it was absolutely amazing. But I think the people that don't know you would you be so kind just to share what you do, where you're from, and all that? Um, okay, so um, I'm, my name is Conrad. I'm a blacksmith, uh, and uh, Cape Town has been my home for forever. Um, and what I do is mostly sculptural uh, and architectural blacksmithing, um, but I also do make tools and I make all of the equipment that I use. Um, blacksmithing is actually about tool making. So I'm a tool maker, artist, sculptor. Oh, fantastic. Now, the, 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 the stuff that I've seen is absolutely incredible. And there's a video I found on YouTube that you um, spoke about making your tools. And that was really great. It was that one where you, where, I think you did a W where they, where you shut tools that you picked up yeah um uh the sorry i'm not really familiar with which which one you're talking about um there's 
Yeah, so, so blacksmithing essentially is about tool making because you've got to make everything that you use. You've got to make all the tongs and, and you end up uh, having to make your hammers and everything. So, um, it's, yeah, so, you know, you, one can pick up stuff, but in order to use it properly, you've got to actually um, be able to make them. And making, making things with your, with your own hands and, making and then making other stuff with it is really much more pleasurable than buying something and making something with it. It's, it's you completely controlling your whole output and uh, your expression. So it becomes kind of your, your, your tool becomes extension of your whole creative process. Okay. Oh, that's, um, yeah. um, one of one of the one of the questions that came to mind when I found your stuff is that, and I believe you've been doing this for thirty plus years. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, I started when I was twenty, twenty-three or something like that. Yeah. But how does a twenty-three-year-old get into blacksmithing? Yeah, I know that was a very um, uh, fortuitous period in my life. Um, obviously, it was in the 80s. And uh, I, so I had done, I had studied uh, sculpture and I um, had been making um, uh, sculptures out of sheet metal and welding and all of that kind of thing. And then after doing another few other couple of jobs, I got a job doing uh, restoration of furniture. And uh, and we had to, I had to do all the locks and hinges and things like that. And obviously, those were forged, uh, made by a blacksmith in, in, in the days when those antiques were, were made. <clears throat> so I had to learn the techniques, uh, you know, on a smaller scale. And, um, and eventually, it kind of got bigger and bigger. And I, and I started doing larger pieces. And that's how it sort of started. Um, uh, but you know, it, it, it was. I never really saw myself as a blacksmith. That, that took another 10, ten years. Um, but I started doing the work at that time. Okay, but it must have it must have pricked your brain in some way that it interested you in such a way that you thought, okay, right, maybe I can yeah. do this on on a more regular basis than just having to fix something here and there. Yeah, I mean. Um, I was uh, um, a very what they call hyperactive kid, you know, and 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 in fact now I realise it's all it's ADD. Um, but what what uh, really it like hooked me when I started forging. It just I just you know really um got completely captivated by the action of, of doing it you know and you're hammering that material and it's it, it it completely occupies the whole of your your mind and physical being so you you it it, it was something that really captivated me in a in a physical emotional and kind of psychological way and and and, and i kind of uh it I got hooked into it um Whereas other things didn't really interest me, um, and so uh, I was trying to remember your question. Um, so that, yeah, um, that's 
basically, I think what it was that 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 it kind of answered a whole lot of questions um, about what I what I could be doing with my life at the time. You know, oh. it, uh, yeah. And obviously, the back in the eighties, it was difficult to do anything in terms of art because back then it was right. guys guys had to play rugby and you had to go work for forty years in some corporate company. It's not like it is today. Right. It's almost like you kind of think that people will take yeah. up like like being a blacksmith for the fun of yeah. it stuff like that but I, yeah. I presume you had a tough time back in the 80s when you said to somebody oh, I'm, I'm a blacksmith yeah um, yeah I mean there was first of all there was no internet then so um, you know I didn't really know that there was such a thing as blacksmithing um, there were a few books that I could get hold of, um, but they were kind of written in the 60s. There was a bit of a revival uh, in America, and there were a few books that were published, and um, I managed to get hold of a, a couple of books. Um, but, yeah, there was also, it was uh, still, you know, um, uh, I was kind of trying to, at, in the 80s, I was still trying to stay out of the army and, um, you know, try and, Figure out what I wanted to do, and the, the the whole gallery art world at the time was very kind of disappointing, and I uh, wasn't it. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, the environment was completely different. Um, as I said, it took me another until 991 before I could actually start a, a workshop. Uh, and and kind of actually build together enough tools to actually just do do blacksmithing. But I was in when I was in in I had, I had to leave the country because um, the, uh, the the guy the, the military police were looking for me. So I went uh, to the UK and then I was trying to get work there and um, also got restoration job there. But there was a blacksmith there. And, and I started working a little bit with him and I also went to Spain to try to get an apprenticeship, but that didn't work out because of my passport. And then I came back in 1991 and I just started a little, I had, I had bought an anvil. So I think that, that, that story that you, you, you heard me telling was the story of the anvil. Yeah. Yes. So that I had bought that anvil and that was in 1991. I came back to South Africa and then the anvil drew me uh, to to start using it and set up a workshop around it and and, and everything. Yeah. And and when did you when did you when did you get your first order? When did some when was it that somebody said to Conrad, "Here's X amount of money for I want that piece for my house." How did that get together? Yeah. Um, there was a. A, a, a guy, a uh, young architect, uh, Craig Kaplan is his name actually, um, and um, I had, had been just making, um, actually I'm not sure I was making, I was actually, yeah, I was making stuff for the Grahamstown Festival, candlesticks, mm -hmm. and um, he brought me a photograph out of a magazine and, and he said, can you make this? And I said, yeah, sure, I can make it. And he said, okay, well, how much will you charge me? I gave him a price and we did it. And that was actually my first job. Um, and, you know, there were little balconies for, for, I think, his mom's house or something like that. 
Okay. Was that little, like wrought iron balustrades kind of thing? Yeah, like a little curly whirly panel, and then it got built into a balcony, and that uh, that was the basically that was the start, and uh, yeah, um, and I was doing everything by hand, you know. So it was mostly heating and bending, and just a little bit of a little bit of tapering. It wasn't really. Um, you know, I would buy, I would buy off-the-shelf steel sizes, and and then just bend it and and forge, forge it a little bit, um, drill holes, rivet, and things like that. Uh, it's very different to nowadays, where one's kind of completely forging the, your whole whole material. You know, yeah, yeah. That first job was uh, it. Kind of everything evolved from there. I mean, yes. I, I, I was I was learning and working and buying tools and paying for it as I was going. Yeah. Well, well, that's the that's the best way to to start something. I I remember when yeah. I, I don't know if you looked at my my Instagram page a little bit. I'm a I'm a photographer, yeah. and yes. um, I lost my job in 2009. I was in the plumbing industry for oh, okay. seven or eight years. Yeah. And, I always said to my wife, if if I if I get some money, my pension money or whatever, I'll buy a camera, just because I wanted one. Yeah. yeah. And then six months later, I haven't found a new job yet, and all I had was my camera. So I just started knocking on the school's doors and saying, "Can I photograph like a little like athletics or the Valentine's dance?" Or and it just yeah. it grew from there, and that's for ten years. But those first hard work and and but I, what builds all to that that people like you as you you did it you put in all the hard work and suffered and now it's it's paying for itself yeah yeah now I'm, I, I'm actually you know looking back i mean i'm really very proud of, of that that nobody really gave me any money to start a business but on the other hand you also know that you can't lose anything because yes. you're starting with nothing and every little bit is is adding to the pile slightly and you know that you are you go getting somewhere you're not actually starting with a couple of hundred thousand and you can't tell really if you're losing half of it to start you know um, <laughs> and also no. if someone into that money they're going to come knocking on your door somewhere along down the line saying that listen i want my piece yeah. of the pie yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing for free. I mean, um, uh, and, and and it's great also to know that you can rely on yourself and you're doing something, and and it's like that sense of independence. But yes, it was a hell of a hell of a steep learning curve because I, I was, you know, trying. I, I had I knew nothing about business, absolutely nothing, and and but how to deal with money and. I'd just come out of art school and I was really not a sort of money orientated kind of person, but uh, that, is, that has been a, a, a very good lesson on, on how to, how to, how to, um, how to make your way with nothing. It's, it's, it's been great. <laughs> you, do, you get do you get youngsters coming to you and asking you, um, they want to be a blacksmith one day. Do you get you get that? Yeah, it started um, uh, with a lot of uh, overseas uh, 
people used to come and work for me. Um, <clears throat> um, because there was a, quite a few uh, like online organizations, uh, like the big uh, guilds and things in, in, uh, in, in Germany, the UK, and, and America started communicating with blacksmiths all over the place. And they set up these pages where um, people could go and do their journeyman um, <clears throat> thing. And, and then I, I've, I said, okay, well, I'll host some people. And uh, I've had, you know, there was like 20, 20 different guys came and girls came through from all over the world working here. But, but um, recently, since Forged in Fire, I think all the young guys here in, um, in sorry, my battery's a bit low. The young guys here in South Africa um, uh, have been asking me, you know, if they could, if they could do training. But most of them have got really no idea how to how to sort of uh, you know they, they, how to how to kind of make the make themselves useful really in a workshop and it's actually often uh, much more of a pain in the ass than, than, than help although i do do training and i really do try and help people i've trained a hell of a lot of people but it, it's it's uh, it's actually very difficult so yeah, but it's uh, it's 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 also like one of those things you only see in the movies. You see the metal being heated up and a guy pounding with a hammer, and next scene he's walking around with a sword that was handmade kind of thing. But it's not as easy as that. I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they, they don't know how to work. They don't. They don't know that you've got to sweat. Yes. For four years, and then maybe you can make something small. You know, they think, oh, bang, 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 I know how to do it. And then they, then they get nowhere and then they get disappointed and they run away. Or, or, or you get to in front of that furnace the first day and you say, holy shit, this, is, this thing is hot. You need to no. stand in front of this thing for seven hours of the day. And, and that's not easy. No, and, and, and then, you, you know, you're using your one arm the whole time and you end up with like uh, shoulder problems. And, you know, you've got to be doing something for... I don't know, five years before you can actually start being good at it. You know, yes. it takes a long time. It's like playing a musical instrument. You know, you've got to have, have, have that skill so that you, you're not um, consciously thinking. You've got to be able to just work without, without, um, without sort of being able, having to be aware of all the steps. Yeah. It's like a mixture between playing sport, doing a kind of a a martial art, and playing a musical instrument. So you've got to have it all very uh, at your fingertips. So. Oh, that's awesome! And and did programs like Forge and Fire bring a new attention to you to your business? Apart from uh, youngsters wanting to find out about it, is it did, did it bring in new kind of clients and all those kind of things? Um. Yeah, no, no, not really. It, it mostly brings people that are looking for for the wrong kind of thing. Like, can you forge me a sword? Yeah, and no, I can forge you a sword. How much is it going to cost? It costs you two hundred thousand rand. What? Why is it so expensive? You know, because um, <laughs> it's six months' work. It's not six months, but it's like three months' work. You know? Yeah. Um, and Apart yeah, from years of experience, 
Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the Forged in Fire, it, it does give some people an insight into what the whole bit of blacksmithing is about. So I'm just moving my, my setup here because I've got to plug my phone in. Um, but uh, um, mostly the, the guys that um, my clients are, uh, you know, art collectors and, uh, and people who have quite a lot of ex experience and, and then they know what I, what I am, am doing because uh, I, I have, they've seen my exhibition of my work and, and, you know, it's 30 years of accumulating those clients and, okay. and that sort of standard of, of work. Yeah. So that hasn't really influenced influenced it that much. They, the the four and five people did ask me if I twice actually if I if I would be on their show, and uh, I uh, declined it because I, I, a lot of it's uh, actually uh, you know smoke and mirrors, and a lot of those guys are hacking and you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of time out of out of out of my my day to go and be part of uh, Forged and Fire. Exactly, but but did they film it some of it in South Africa, or did you have to go to the States to do it? Yeah, they wanted me to go there. Oh. No, I didn't go, but they wanted me to. I declined it yeah, because it, it's uh, obviously it's time equals money in your industry, so you needed to, yeah. to get stuff done. And um, no, no, also, sorry, I mean, uh, it's also I'm I'm more of a, a sculptor, you know. I mean, uh, that's my thing. Is and fortune is more orientated around knives. It's it's the wrong. I mean, I do make knives, but it's not really my market, uh, essentially. It's not really my client. And, and, and I don't want to be, the thing that I'm saying is that I'm actually an artist. You know? it's, not, it's not about knives and stuff. Although knives are beautiful tools, I love them. It's essentially a different concept, coming at it from a different side. You know? Yes. Yeah. Now, okay. when you do art, or you get people that commission you and... I know I get, I've got clients that, that get me to do work for them and they say, dear Walt, you're the creative person, just make it happen. And then I've got to sit there and figure out what it is that, I'm, that I must do for them. Do you, the stuff that you make, because it's, it's really, really interesting things, is it stuff that you come up with or is it, does the client say to you, well, this is the kind of room and feel and stuff that I want and then you play around until you've got something? Yeah, well, look, I mean, for... In the beginning, it was um, doing things that people kind of wanted. And the more I, f I found that I put my own uh, influence into it, actually, the more successful it was. So now people actually just want me to do completely what I want to do. I, um, although, you know, if somebody asks me for a gate, they'll say, can you make me a gate? Um, and, and, and generally, I'll just come up with my, completely my own design. And a, a gate to me is kind of like a sculpture. It's just flat. Yeah. Um, it's like a painting in metal. You know, it's, uh, it's really up to my own, own uh, interpretation now. Now, now, now it's, I, I, I have free reign, really. And then, and then, and then the sculpture is... Um, not commissions, you know. If I do, if I do an exhibition, um, then 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 I generate a whole lot of work from, which is quite a part of a process. Mm. Uh, 
it's sort of like an artistic investigation and then each of those those pieces is part of a story that I'm trying to say, express you know so it does have a have a, a source but it's generated sort of internally no it's uh, your stuff is really really um um amazing stuff there's some some of that those things are I'm, I just look at it and I think how the hell do you come up with with that idea it's it looks like an insect well, legs and it's beautiful. Yeah, mostly the ideas evolve in the making of it. So uh, I've done something similar and then I know that I want to explore it. But it starts, I start getting ideas when, I, when I'm working and actually um, while I'm working, I recognize a thing that I, captures what I'm trying to say, you know, but you know, it's like, imagine it's the same as photography. You can look at an image and you can say that is really what in essence I'm, I'm trying to express, but you can't go, you, you have to recognize it in the image and then you choose it and then you capture it. It's the same with in working. Um, um, so, so I have to work and work and then I see something and then I'll start bringing it out. Um, I mean, there is another way of doing, of working where you draw everything very precisely and you calculate everything and then you construct it and then it's kind of, um, uh, it, it can be very beautiful, but it, it's not a discovery then. It's a different thing. And then, and, and, and um, it is a very left brain predictable uh Thing, but it doesn't teach you anything. So, and the, there's so much to 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 be discovered when when you when you work intuitively uh, and you see, you recognize your your voice. So, I mean, it, it may sound like it's it's a funny thing because it's a very industrial environment which I'm working, and I'm talking about very kind of abstract art principles about the way that I work. So, it's a kind of quite a contrast. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I completely agree with you. And also, those are the times that you that you learn the most, because yeah, you've you've got time to to play around and figure it out, and and then you might teach yourself a new technique that you know that you can use it. If a client comes around and says, "I want something that does this," you know, right? I used that technique in building my yeah. own. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times I, I um, you know, I don't know if you can see behind me, there's yeah. tools, you know, these beautiful machines. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the way that machines are built and um, uh, the tools and the tool forms, especially the anvil, um, uh, really, I would say the word is a bit of a cliche to say inspire, but they draw out of me um, a kind of a, a, a language that that um, that it needs to be expressed. Um, but it comes through tools, so the use of tools, and um, so so I'll just try and get my wording right here. The 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 the, the, the so if, let's say a blacksmith makes tools. But some of the tools can, their primary function can be to communicate. Um, like an image is a tool, or a word in a poem is a tool um, to communicate something. Um, 
So we essentially, the, we humans, you know, like uh, man, we, we've been, all we do is make tools and they can be abstract tools and systems and like language and mathematics and all, they're all abstract tools. And uh, uh, an artistic uh, creation is also an abstract tool for communication. But so being a blacksmith, the, the tool making part of it is, is, is very directly connected to my humanity or the, the fact that, I, that, that I'm a, a, a man making, a, making, a, making a, an object, which is essentially a tool. That's like my whole, uh, um, my whole mission is, is in there. No. And and often you get to like a like a function or something or and, and or a group of people. Well, when we could still have groups of people around, and because everybody asks, hey, what do you do? Where are you from? So and, and you say to them, listen, yeah. I'm I'm a blacksmith. Do the people look at you funny? Um, was a good conversation starter. Yeah, well, it, it used to be, but um. People, yeah, what does a blacksmith do? It used to be like, oh, do you shoe horses? And, um, <laughs> or do you work on the railways? Uh, which a lot of blacksmiths uh, obviously used to work on the railways. Um, but um, it's changed, actually. People generally nowadays know what a blacksmith is. I think it's because of that, that program on TV. Um, so... So they're like, oh wow, that's amazing! Especially the young guys, they all know it's uh, it's, it's it's had this massive uh, revival. So, but but I think the big question is is like, how do you earn a living? And um, really, that would that's quite a long. I say, you know, you've got to you've got to just be really good, you know. I mean, then you can earn a living. Yeah, and also, like you said, those skills that you've learned twenty years ago. How to deal with clients, how to work with them, it, all that counts. It's not, no. I, I always say you can be the very best surgeon coming out of university. It's not to say that you're going to run a successful practice because you've got no idea of business. Yeah. Yeah. And no, a business is essentially, yeah, a, a business is also um, having, having the, the, the self confidence uh, to, to say, this is what I'm worth, and this is what it's going to cost you. Hmm. And and then it, and then you know it's it's a kind of a, a feedback loop. You know, if you really do good work, you can um, charge a lot, and then if you charge a lot, you can do good work because you can put a lot of time and effort into it. And 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 it it, it tends tends to build. But that was quite a a, a very important business lesson. Um, but it, it's also, you know, about growing up and becoming a bit older and com more confident in, in what I was doing. Um, you know, I always say to I always say to people if they say, "Well, what should I charge for something?" and I say, "Well, you can always go cheaper. You can never go more expensive." So it, it's if if somebody comes to you and says, "Listen, I want to buy something," and you say to them, yeah. "No." It's ten thousand rand, and they come to you and say, "Oh, that's too that's too expensive." I've only got seven and a half. Then you can decide. Okay, right. I can for seven and a half. That's fine. We can do it. But if if yeah, you price him say seven and a half, and he had a budget of fifteen, you losing yeah. seven 
wasn't on the on the on the deal. So yeah. and then, and then also is um, if you if somebody if you put out a, a, a price or something that is below your um, what you should be charging just to get the work or just to try and help somebody out or you know because you think they're going to come back to you they're going to expect to pay the same next time so you're always going to be underselling yourself so you're actually shooting yourself in the foot you've always yeah. got to charge properly and if they don't take it then they must go away actually but it, it, it never works yeah. like that that they that they will tell their friends now listen i paid fifteen thousand rand for that thing instead of instead of saying to them you paid seven seven and a half they're going to say i got a bargain i paid seven and a half for it it's worth 15. and then their friends is also going to ask you for the same price their friends are not going to pay more for it yeah yeah well you've got to that's the thing we've got to have rich clients that like to actually say they spend <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know people rich, yeah. rich people really like to post and tell you tell their friends how much they spent on it and then it becomes a competition how much people can spend. The friend, the friend comes to you and says, listen, I want something that's more expensive than what he has. Yes. So then, then it, yeah. <laughs> that's the right kind of client. Uh, yeah, well, they are difficult to find, but if you do find them, you must hang on to them. Yeah, no. No, 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 I do. <laughs> I've, yeah, I mean, you know, it takes time, and they, they, they are people um, around the world who are interested in, um the best of my little niche that I, I do and and um i think i think that you do find the the, the right clients eventually um but yeah 30 years <laughs> yeah. and and how much how much of those small things do you make these days like like balustrades and and gates and those kind of things do you still get uh, you still sell a number of them or is it more the art pieces that that you sell at the moment um, I do actually do small jobs, and and I do do tool making um, for people because I I think it's it's part of it's it's like a it's a trade, and um, you can't lose sight of the fundamentals, um, and. Um, Sometimes, you know, I can do something very beautiful very quickly and not charge too much um, because it's a very simple technique. Uh, so, and then I do it, you know, um, and, and it often works out. I mean, I make frying pans and things like that. And, uh, and uh, um, I've, I've I told, I made uh, tooling and I uh, worked out a design and I've, I've been producing frying pans which are really great frying pans and my kids were selling them on the market. And so I've got no um, uh, issues with only being an artist. Uh, I, I think it's, um, I like to, uh, it's a trade, you know, I like to actually do, do all aspects of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not fussy like that, but I, I, if, if there's, Sometimes if people want something for too little, I'd rather give it to them, you know, rather yeah. than, you know. And, and well, th those, those, those frying pans are interesting to me now. It's um, a lot of the stuff you see is cast iron. Do you, is it, do you make it from cast yeah. iron or do you, do you forge it? No, forge it. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. would be interesting. 
How do you get it to be completely smooth and flat at the bottom? So um, it's a tool. Uh, I press it, stamp it. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I can I can show you, uh, but I have to carry the camera, the, the phone around. Oh, that's so that's, that. If you want, I'm, I'm, I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot of there's actually. I mean, the workshop is actually a very interesting thing to see. Oh no, I, um, I saw amazing. Yeah. So. Um, so there, there's the there's the fire behind me, okay. Okay. And that's um, that's what heats up the stuff. Here's a pile of, of pans. You can see those guys have just come come out of uh, the the tool. There's the tool. Okay. Okay. No. Here are the round ones, um, and the round tool is, so I've just got to go scratch under a pile of scrap. <laughs> the round tool's on a different press. It's over there. Okay. And there's another, there's another tool of the bigger one down at the bottom behind that anvil there. And, I'm busy and reorganizing my workshop, so it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of chaos here. Can one buy those pans on your website? Um, yeah, um, it's it's not it's not my uh, website. Uh, it's uh, the tool room. It's called. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I like that that tool room thing because it's like a nice metaphor for selling all sorts of functional art products and things like that. I also do knives and stuff and sell them there. Yeah, to ask you about and. I watch these things on, uh, like you lay in bed at like half past one in the morning, and you awake yeah. and all through these videos on Facebook. And I always find these things where they're making stuff in Damascus steel and yes. welding it together, and bolts they twist together. Those things are fascinating to me, and um, yeah, love watching those things. Those Damascus steel knives are amazing. Yeah, I make a lot of that. Have you seen them? Have you seen my Damascus knives? Uh, just to what you've posted on Instagram and, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't look like much when you when you're working on it because um, where is that one? Uh, it's over here. Uh, because you know you have to uh, etch it in in acid to get the pattern out. But okay, um, I can show you this is the rough forging, the handle is as it kind of sort of comes off the anvil and then that part has already been ground. And I don't know if you can see the, the pattern coming through there. Yes, yes. Um, I've did, I dipped it in acid a couple of hours ago and as you can see it's already starting to tarnish. But yeah, I mean, uh, that the, all of these, these knives to me are more like um, – hobby and i really enjoy it yeah those um yeah there's another something uh, yeah i mean he has a he has a um an ads can you see that yes, yes. oh that's a it's kind of like an axe but it's it's used for carving it's almost like a hoe that um that yeah 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 and, and how many of those things came about for you just sitting in the workshop, didn't have any work for clients, and just start playing with 
like scrap pieces of metal and see what you can make with it. Yeah, yeah. The knives was like that because I had a lot of um, uh, bandsaw blades, uh, and then I started forging. So I thought, okay, I'll start forging knives. There was an old guy who worked for me. He was a tool maker, and he this is about ten years ago. He was also a knife maker, and um, so he kind of got me interested in in the knives. Um, but that. Um, Learning to do Damascus, I've been doing that for about 10 years and only, only now kind of getting on top of it. So there's a bit of angle grinding going on in the background. Um, because it's been, uh, it's not really my primary um, source of income. So um, I kind of do it on and off. Uh, and I don't, I don't do kind of production of them. So they're not... Um, they're more, they're, they're more like little art pieces and I take my time and do them. But uh, so uh, then they, each one tends to be different. So I, and I don't really do the same thing ever more than once. So they, um, so I'm rambling on a little bit, but then they're, they're not, uh, the, 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 the knives are great, but they don't make money. Essentially what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well but I'm pretty sure there'll be a chef or somebody out there coming to you and said, listen, I want a Conrad Hicks knife. And yeah, no, it's happening. I mean, uh, it, a lot of people, we had an exhibition at the end of last year with, uh, with some of South Africa's top knife makers. And we did, we uh, had it here at, at, uh, at my workshop in the Bijou. And um, we, well, I decided to 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 have an exhibition of only chefs' knives. Okay. Um, as opposed to what a lot of the other knife makers are doing, um, chefs' knives are they, they, they hasn't been a big tradition in South Africa. I think because there's a lot of hunting and stuff, uh, people haven't really got into chefs' knives. They make a lot of daggers and hunting knives and things like that. And um, whereas a chef's knife you can actually sell for a lot more money because it's uh, it's more of an of an artwork and more accepted and chefs are niche will spend anything on having the best stuff yes so, so that exhibition was very successful we sold uh, you know about 250,000 rands worth of knives in three days and we weren't even trying to sell that much. The whole point was to just have an exhibition of amazing knives. Yes. And, uh, you know, there was, the prices were between eight and 20,000 Rand, you know, so they really were expensive and we, and we sold most of them. So it was a very successful thing. That's amazing. But still, yeah, still didn't <laughs> really make money, but that's not the aim. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I, I completely get the thing with the chefs and, and their knives because they are, it's like a hairdresser and the scissors. They'll, they'll yeah. spend three grand on a pair of decent scissors for, for cutting hair. Um, yeah. But then if that thing comes close to a piece of paper or wool, they will shoot you. Yes. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. Have you had scissors no. before? Um, no. But just, I know guys who have made scissors. Yeah. Uh, um, but I mean, I've sharp, I sharpen scissors and I have had uh, these Japanese scissors um, that they uh, hand forged are, are quite nice. 
I haven't got around to making one yet. I was, I was just, I was just curious about that. Um, yeah. Is there anything interesting that that you want to show us that you're busy with, um, that you, or that you can show, or anything like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can show you. Um, can, is, look, I just want to ask you a te technical question. Can I flip the camera in this thing, or do I have to use the front camera? You're like really technical question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's do this. Um, so this stuff is all, um, let's see, what there, is that, yeah. This is all, can you see these pieces properly? That's all um, copper. Oh. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a sculpture that's uh, going to the States. Um, and it's all forged from, from um, a big, uh, 100, 100 millimeter by 400 millimeter block of, of, of copper, each piece. That's what I'm busy working on mostly. Um, I can show you some of the tools. If, if, no, if the, you, a question yeah. about the piece, if you say it's copper, are you going to polish that yeah. to get the copper color or is it, you're going to yeah. leave that rough greenish tinge um, to it? It'll be, it'll be both. So here you can actually see this, there's the, the natural color of the copper. That's what it looks like when it's um, come out of the fire. But if you if you rub it, you can see that it starts getting quite a beautiful pattern immediately. And then, um, so I will polish it, um, and it'll bring out all the all the forging marks and everything. Uh, and then I'll probably uh, throw a bit of acid on it, and it'll. Um, um, Give a give a give a, give more kind of texture and color and stuff, and oh. yeah, that will definitely happen. Yeah, it'll be it'll actually look mostly like um, bronze um, when it's when it's done, but bronze is difficult to forge. Do you do you buy up scrap metal from like scrap yards and um, use that, or do you do you ever supply yeah. like blocks of metal for whatever you use it for? Um, well, the copper you have to I have to buy in. in in bar, but you know, he has a pile of, of scrap. Um, that's uh, another big pile of scrap that uh, that I use. And um, in this pile is um, wrought iron and old uh, plows and old farm equipment and, and um, things. Um, which I'm busy sorting, and so I use a lot of a lot of uh, collected iron, especially the wrought iron. You you can't get it anymore. But okay. then, and then when I make tools, you know, you have to and and the knives, you know, you have to buy material, um, knowing exactly what it is, and that's got to be specific specific uh, tool steel. So then I have to buy it off the shelf. And I can show you that is uh, EN24. That's uh, that's a very special. So this steel actually I got from the scrapyard, um, but it is is tool steel. There is a lot of very special tool steel behind the lathe. Yeah. So you know I, I do both, but I try and I try not to spend too much money on buying uh, brand new high-tech um, 
high-tech materials because it's very expensive. Yes, yes. And also yeah. it will take, I might be completely wrong in saying this, but it might take away a lot of the look and feel from your uh, final products if you buy yeah. A, a, yeah. virgin material. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, the virgin thing is, is quite interesting because the wrought iron um, is uh, mostly um, antique in itself. And uh, it was made, you know, um, at that stage when people were making wrought iron, there was no recycling of steel yet. Nowadays, all steel is recycled and it's got all sorts of rubbish in it. But that wrought iron, that old wrought iron is stuff that's come out of the ground, gone through the uh, smelter, and it's pure, pure original. Um, it's, like, it's like working with yellow wood or something. You know, it's uh, like the real thing. And how often do you find that? Because I, I presume it, it's still pretty scarce. So do you go around scrapyards, scratching around in piles, yeah. and find gem sitting in between, in between them? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, the scrapyards in the in the country towns, like Riversdale, for example, I, I get a lot of stuff there because that comes from the Karoo, like the wagon wagon parts and farm farm implements. Um, you get a lot of really nice last uh, uh, material out of. Yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah. awesome. But just I've always, if I've got an extra fifteen or twenty grand that I can spend on a toy for myself. I will buy a metal detector because I want to go. You, you, you drive into the Karoo and you see all these houses yeah. next, but that's all abandoned. There used to be people yes. that to scan around that thing and see what <clears throat> is. You're obviously going to pick up a lot of junk as well, but there might be some amazing things in the ground around those houses. Yeah. 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 Um, I had, I had an exhibition and uh, a, a lot of, I mean, uh, uh, I, I called, uh, I actually call most of my pieces implementer, you know, okay, yeah. because of that whole thing, you know, looking around in the, in the yard and then you see all these old implementer lying there and they tell us such an incredible story, like the history of the farm and but all the, you know, the stuff that they towed behind the, behind, behind the horse and the old tractors and, um, yeah, the old implementer are, are sculptures in themselves. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah one of the one of these days. And okay, one of the last questions I've got is: Have you made guns? No, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a bit difficult, I think. Um, I mean, it's a it's it's a it's a complete trade on it on its own. Um, People have asked me to make uh, Damascus um, for them to, to make guns. Uh, so I've made the material. Okay. Um, but I haven't made uh, something myself. No. no just, I just, mean, you've got to have a license. But we do play around with gunpowder. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, to, to get certain textures and stuff out of the metal? No, no, no. We did... Um, um, every you know, there's a there's a there's a blacksmith's day, and I've forgotten when it is. I think it's in September. Um, but I used to do this thing in my workshop where you put uh, an anvil upside down, and then it's got a it's got a little hole in it, uh, 
on the base. And then you fill it with gunpowder and then you put another anvil on top of it and it closes it off and it put, it's enough pressure for that gunpowder to explode and then for it to shoot the anvil, you know, kind of 20 meters into the air with a big bang. So we, I used to do that quite a lot and then until some of them started cracking and so we stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds more like fun. Um, but yeah, I was. Uh, you need a special. So you say you need a special license to make guns. But I'm pretty. Uh, I, I might be completely wrong. Do you, and the Damascus steel that you that you make. Do you make like that? They use it for the barrels, or do they use it for the checkering on the side, or what do they use that for? <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, the stuff that I made was just for a guy to do uh, uh, decorative stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, breaches and things. You know, I don't think it was for the barrel. No, <clears throat> but that's not difficult to make. Yeah, you I can imagine the right, the right steel and yeah. I've seen um, some of these. They make be really beautiful barrels, and it looks like a twisted wrought iron. It, hmm. It's actually twisted on the outside as well. That's it's stunning. Yes, yeah, for shotguns and things. Yeah, it'll probably be um, machined um, stainless steel that they use for that. Um, yeah, no, I think they, I mean, it's not a, for, for, for the shotguns and things, it's not high pressure. So yeah. it's, um, it's not that uh, sophisticated material. Um, yeah, I mean, it comes from the original handmade guns in the, you know, sort of a couple of hundred years ago. Um, and there's a, the, 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 the reason why it had those patterns on was because that was a way of them kind of equalizing the stresses in the material when they, when they made the barrels. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we're coming up on an hour. Is there anything else you want to chat about? Is we, I've, it's been really interesting. Um, well, let me show you the, 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 the main hammers. I mean, this is the, these guys, you see that? Oh, yeah. there you can see that guy. That guy is uh, what I work on most. Should I turn it on for you? It's quite, I think it might be interesting. That's what it does. And there's a little one there. And the, one. The, the, those machines look old. Um, are they yeah. are they machines or are they relatively new? No, no, those two are from say the 1930s. Um, the the other green one there on the left is um, is an East German one, so it's probably 50s. This guy over here is uh, 1910. Jeez, and, and where um, things? Yeah. Huh? Where did you find it? Um, that one, uh, that one's an American one. That's, that one I've, uh, was the first one I bought. That one is, um, I think, a Belgian one that uh, has also got a very interesting story. Um, but uh, that one I'm busy restoring. And then there's there underneath the staircase a couple of old steam hammers that I 
collect, uh, saved from the scrap. Um, but yeah, I, I just find them. The, the first one I showed you came from um, Germiston, from uh, Lasher. Okay. And they used it for making uh, stuff on the mines. Uh, and I bought, I bought them, I don't know, it must be 25 years ago. So at, at the time they decommissioned them, they were selling them for scrap. Um, these two. That one, that one was used to make uh, flanges on the Kuburg power station. So I think it, they, they brought it out from America and when it was built, they, they stopped using it and sold it. They sold it to me for scrap as well. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you say it's scrap, what, what did you pay for them back then? And what are they worth now? That one I paid, I think it was 7,000 Rand. Yeah. And it's worth now about probably about 250,000. It's not in working condition yet. Uh, there's, there's some problems with it, but if it was full of, in, in, in perfect condition, it would be yeah, about that, 250 grand. But it's these a, two, yeah? It, uh, that's one of the problems that the internet brought is that you, couldn't, you can't really pick organs like that anymore because everybody will Google the bloody thing and say, oh, okay, right, this thing is not just the scrap metal, scrap metal's worth, it's actually thing. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, but, you know, uh, the th thing is that there's no market really for these. There's nobody who's really got uh, any work for them still. So um, there's a couple of blacksmiths in Cape Town. I've sold one hammer to one or – yeah, I've sold a few hammers, but, uh, you know, it has to be the right guy at the right time, and uh, very few – very few people will want them, so you, you can't really sell them for the full price anyway. Uh, it's and like having cars, you know. Yeah. <laughs> As, how's the, how's the, uh, the competition and camaraderie between the other blacksmiths in Cape Town? Because I know the photographers, you obviously kick them out from every second bush on, on next to the street, but um, yeah. the people will cut their own throats for two rand. What's it like in the blacksmith um, fraternity, if I may call it that? Um, no, it's, it's great. I mean, when, uh, in Cape Town, a lot of them, you know, they used to actually work for me, I think. And, um, uh, yeah, so not, not all of them, but it's, uh, there's only, there's only three. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of guys just doing hobby, quite a few guys doing hobby stuff. Uh, in Joburg, there's a few, but we all know each other and we lend each other stuff and, Pass, pass work around and uh, especially now at, at this time um, I've given quite a quite a bit of work to them to to and they were all mates um, and it, it's a great thing it's a really nice share information and help each other and how has yeah. this whole COVID-19 mess um, affected your uh, business um, well I mean, it's this lockdown thing. I was able to actually uh, stay in my in my workshop uh, um, in the beginning, so I could carry on working. Um, I've I've got so much work. I mean, I've got a year's worth of work, and that has uh, I've, I've I've had for a while. So it's it's not you know, like quick turnover stuff, which comes easily and goes easily. It's, uh, I've, I've got work. 
and mm. um, I think I'll be okay. But having said that, you know, I, I uh, am quite worried about the future um, in the next couple of years because uh, because. I don't know so much about people buying art and the amount of money that's going to be going around is going to be obviously a hell of a lot less. But, yeah. you, know, you know, I mean, talking about it, I, I do feel that I have uh, something to say. And um, I think the, one, of the, one of the big problems with this whole COVID thing and the problem with society in general is that, uh, you know, people have completely lost touch with, with, with what real value is mm. and w what uh, things are actually worth. I mean, it's most, most uh, people are just interested in brand, branded goods um, with, with the actual price of the thing has got really very little to do with the actual value of it. Um, and it's mostly about perceived value, not about inherent value. And I think that's going to change. Uh, I think um, we're going to hopefully uh, see a return to things, an appreciation of proper value and what really matters. Um, and uh, with you know buying stuff that is really good, really means thing, means something, is going to last. And I think a general sort of spiritual return to proper values. I hope. I hope crisis can can bring positive changes, you know? Yes. No, it's, uh, and I've said it to you, most people I've spoken to you, is I think there's going to be more positivity coming out of the whole situation we're in at the moment than that there's going to be negative coming from it. Um, if the people that can keep their, their head above water, I think, I think at the end of this, because yeah. your the type of clients that we're going to have to deal with they're going to, like you said, they're going to know what they want to spend their money on and they are not going to just, they're not just going to spend it for the sake of spending it. So that's, yes. where, that, that, that's where we need to, wouldn't say capitalize on it, but I think that's where the, 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 plus, the plus point is. If, if we can, then they will appreciate us and we'll keep them for longer. Yeah. I mean, I also don't mind going back to, to making burglar bars, you know, <laughs> I started like that. I'm not gonna. I'm always gonna have something to do, you know. Uh, if I if I don't sell sculpture for a lot of money, there's lots of things I can do. You know? Yeah, and there's always a market for burglar bars in South Africa. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, too precious to 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 not do it. Uh. Yeah, no, that's a that that's a good thing. It's we need to be flexible. But something that that we noticed, and obviously with this whole thing that we can exercise, we've taken the kids out because they haven't been mm. off the yard for like the last six weeks. So we've taken yeah, in Vista, I live. We've got lots of hills around the back, and there's like uh, trails that you can go walk and run and cycle. Yes. And obviously, there's a lot of people on the trails in the morning. But from since this thing opened, people are actually greeting each other. My wife yeah. and I. We each other yeah the people are greeting us it never nice. used to be you just go by and you just, guys just nod his head now it's like more more um yeah and, and that's 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 awesome to see it's become small towns in neighborhoods uh, yeah again yeah. Yeah. So. 
Conrad, I want to say thank you. It's been, it was really interesting. And hopefully when all the stuff is gone and I can travel to Cape Town again, I would love to come and just visit your workshop there and just see it because I love the look and the texture and the, everything that you've got in there. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you must come and have a, have a peek. Yeah. yeah, just put aside a bit of time. Yeah, we have a, have a couple of coffees and talk nonsense and yeah. everything. That'll be great. Look forward to it. Thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for for coming to chat to me on on this mm. on this thing. No, it's a pleasure, dear boss. Yeah, it's right. interesting. I've got to do this more often. Yeah, no, it's uh, well, it's I started this thing in the lockdown as a little fun project, and it's it's grown quite a bit, and I'm actually yeah. enjoying it. But, uh, yeah, cool, great, right. nice to chat. Have an awesome evening. Cheers. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.